Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word today, we come reverently in awe of all that you did for us, Lord, and we ask you to reveal more of yourself to us through your word today. Lord, help us to absorb it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we read in the gospel passage today, the angel Gabriel was sent by God with this message to Mary. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Well, Mary believed the message that was given to her and she sensed its immediacy. Otherwise, she would not have asked the question that she did next. How can this be since I do not know a man? To which the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. That's from Luke 1.35. In other words, you won't be needing a man. And though I'm sure that Mary did not understand all the implications of the incarnation just then, what she did understand was that this was to be a miracle of God, unlike anything she had seen or heard of before. The incarnation of the divine Logos that's described theologically in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, is in this passage of Luke revealing the human side of the divine pre-incarnate word becoming flesh or human. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which means God saves. The God side of the incarnation is a deep mystery. It was the first step necessary to reconcile man back to God once that relationship was broken. Athanasius, one of the church fathers and theologians, described the mystery of the incarnation in his creed, one of the three our church recognizes, saying this, it is necessary to everlasting salvation to believe rightly the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the worlds, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world, perfect God and perfect, perfect man, of a reasonable soul and human flesh subsisting equal to the Father as touching his Godhead 
and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood, who, although he be God and man, yet he is not two, but one Christ, one not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of the manhood into God. Now that's a whole lot to think about, but that last phrase is what I want to focus on just now because it's quite exceptional and I'm going to repeat it again. One, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of the manhood into God. Now, why is that exceptional? Well, because it goes deeper than what Christians usually understand of Mary as conceiving God. It is rather God conceiving the DNA of Mary. You see, if God as the Word was complete before being conceived in Mary, it has to be that way. And of course, he was complete. All that was merged in conception was added, not, not as completing, but the adding of human qualities and its limiting factors. It was not that mortality was added, for Jesus was still immortal, but the tangible limitations of humanity for our sake were added so that we could commune once again with God who was otherwise transcendent. Athanasius went as far as saying God became man that man might become God. It sounds heretical, but it's not in the way that he meant it. And it's because of all this that the incarnation of God is, in my mind, the biggest of all miracles. Yes, we can think of the grand miracle of creation in the beginning, God creating us and everything else from nothing. But God is God after all, and that's what God does. Everything that God did before the incarnation was supernatural because that's his nature. And we can think of the miracles after the incarnation as well, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and his ascension to heaven. But again, he was already God before becoming man. So as Peter said in Acts 2.24, it was not possible that he should be held by death. He was God. The incarnation of God, on the other hand, is different. It is God becoming something that is unlike God in becoming a material being as well. It is the transcendent creator uniting with his creation and the fallen creation at that. God becoming human too. The very word transcendent, when speaking of God, means existing apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe. 
but the one who was transcendent willingly became reachable, touchable, even abusable by fellow human beings, though we cannot go as far as saying common. We can say as the Apostle Paul did in Philippians 2, 7 to 8, that God in the incarnation made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. And all of this, if you can imagine, long after he had created part of what would become his material self or body way back in the very beginning when he created Adam. All this after sin entered Adam and through Adam man when distrust of God and then rebellion against his will and command was acted upon. Well, let me ask you this. Why after that would the Creator desire to unite again with his rebellious creation? Why after it was fallen? Well, I think we can get a hint from Proverbs. Proverbs 8, which is about wisdom personified. Jesus is wisdom personified. Listen again to the words of Proverbs 8, 29 to 36, with God the Father and Jesus the Son in mind. Listen when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men, can you imagine the one rejoicing as the pre-incarnate Jesus, the Word? Can you imagine us as his delight? Would he not want to rectify the problem of the ones that he delighted in? He did just that. That's why he came. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this of Christians who believe he did so. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You see, though man was made in the image, of image and likeness of God, especially in regards to free will, Man was not one with God. Man had a will independent of God. And it seems by the choice that he made that man lacked wisdom. Instead of eating the tree of life, 
man chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil against God's will and his commandment, which broke communion with God, God who is man's life source. As Jesus said, quoting Moses, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Broken communion with God is a terminal problem that cannot be remedied by man. Only God can fix that, and that's what he did. Jesus stepped in because he loved us. Jesus delighted in us so much that he came to us. He became one of us and even died for us in the Father's will to save us, making provision for us to eat from the tree of life, which is him, and commune with the Father. The divine incarnation is the greatest of miracles, not due so much to the supernatural miracle of the Virgin Mary conceiving a child as much as it is the transcendent God becoming human too, in order to make right what we did wrong. It gives every individual, with the benefit of hindsight, now of the harm that's been done by our individuality, a second chance. It is God's second chance of loving relationship presented to you and I through Jesus Christ. Do you realize what a gift that is? Oswald Chambers wrote, the whole meaning of the incarnation is the cross. He wrote, beware of separating God manifest in the flesh from the Son becoming sin. The incarnation was for the purpose of redemption. God became incarnate for the purpose of putting away sin. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, believe it. Receive it. Receive him, Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe on his name, Jesus, God saves. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again for going so far. Lord, further than we can even conceive with our finite minds. Lord, you designed it all. You paid it all for us, Lord. We thank you for this second chance, this opportunity, this loving invitation to relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice for our sins. We repent of our sins and we thank you for taking them away, Lord. And we, Lord, acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior, as our Father in heaven, who we have the privilege via Jesus to enter into relationship 
to come and pray even now. It's a privilege, won by our Savior Jesus, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.